Sherm Chester on this edition of the Seco Sports Forum. A little different. Uh, I don't have any co-hosts this week. Sam Bruno is uh, busy on assignment and the coach as well. <laughs> and we had a special guest lined up and unfortunately he took ill. So uh, <laughs> I'm riding solo, but I figured a couple of events came up that I want to uh, talk about. And this probably be a shorter podcast than normal, but I wanted to get these things out. These are my own personal feelings about some of the things that have happened uh, over the past few days. We lost two voices, two prominent people in the world of sports. Uh, and, and I'm a voice guy being, you know, a radio guy for years and years in the world of sports. We lost two great idols and also two great voices of sports. Let's start off with Bill Russell, the great Bill Russell, Boston Celtics legend, 11 championships. I mean, this man, he, you know, he talked the talk and he walked the walk. He was one of those type of athletes that was special from the get-go. And, and, and I, I've been listening to all the Boston reporters give their kudos and, and thoughts about Bill Russell and some of his former teammates. God love him. He's still alive. Bob Cousy is one of them. Uh, just their impressions of the man and what he went through. And uh, he is on the Mount Rushmore of Boston sports idols. No ifs, ands, buts about it. You can put Brady up there someday, but Bill Russell is there right now, along with Ted Williams and oh, Bobby Orr, examples of people who would be on that Mount Rushmore of Boston uh, superstars. Again, he went through a lot here in Boston when Bill Russell became part of the Celtics team and became the dominant figure he did become. There was a lot of pushback from the community. But Bill Russell faced discrimination here in New England, in Boston, even though he was one of the most dominant and greatest sports heroes of his time and of all time. If you want to read about him, and I know I have, I've read a few of his books, um, up, go up for glory, go up for glory. That's when he did back in 1965. A lot of the interviews that they played on Boston television over the weekend, it was Russell talking about his days with Red Arback and some of the confrontations they had, friendly confrontations, in particular when Red wanted to retire Russ's number six up onto the rafters at Boston Garden, the old Boston Garden. And Russell said, no, no, I don't want it. And Arbeck said, it's got to happen. And Russell said, no. <laughs> and finally, they came to a meeting of the minds, and it did happen. And the statue out in front of the new Boston Garden now uh, of Bill Russell, you know, there again, it was something he didn't want, but you know, he accepted it graciously. For all he went through, he was a gracious man. And, and of all the people, the, of all the interviews that I watched over the weekend of people who had dealt with him, it, it just they all had nothing but positive things to say and, and what a great person he was. Uh, quirky at times. Yeah, he had his, he had his ways about him. Uh, quirky sense of humor, for instance. Cedric Maxwell said that Bill Russell would talk to anybody, but... If he really liked you, he'd give you the middle finger. 
<laughs> believe it or not, that was that was something that you knew that he you were part of part of his group of friends. If he would walk up to you and say, "Hey, Cedric," and then flip you off. <laughs> I mean, you had to know the man. The one thing I will say personally about Bill Russell is I was fortunate enough, and this goes back, I think, around 1970, I'll say 69 or 70. Uh, my best friend, Dan Dugas, his dad got tickets to go down to the old Boston Garden. WBZ Radio in Boston was having a, a promotion where their disc jockeys would play at halftime. And uh, so that was the gimmick. You got free tickets or you won free tickets and you got to go see the game. And it was like, I will never forget. It was the Celtics going on against the Baltimore Bullets. That's right. They were called the Bullets. And at that time, uh, Russell was the player coach. And that year, he didn't have a great team. I can remember we had Hen Henry Finkel was one of the one of the people on that team, <laughs> they were in a rebuild mode, but I got to see over the years, all the legends like Havlicek, Dave Cowens, Don Nelson, um, all, all the greats, Jojo White. It, I, that was, I never got to see Celtics basketball in person during the bird era, which is kind of wild. The old Boston garden, believe it, it, it was, it was, it was uh, interesting to say the least. I mean, it was a very unique place to watch a basketball game, especially if you got an obstructed view seat. And most of the times we'd get there at the last minute and that's what you had left over. Yeah. You're going right behind the pole, but we, uh, we did see some great games down there and some great legends over the years, the Knicks, uh, uh, the Bucks, when they had uh, Jabbar, who, you know, I was going to say he was Lou Alcindor then, and Oscar Robertson, I, I just think about all those great games that I got to see during that era. Well, God love Bill Russell. And, and, and of all the announcers, now Tommy Heinsohn did the local version of the Celtics games for years and years and years and uh, was a mainstay. But when it came to the national games, the one team that I'll never forget, Bill Russell teaming up with Chris Schenkel, the, the the signature was the cackle. If, if Bill Russell got tickled by anything, he started cackling. <laughs> a unique voice and a unique, a, unique, a unique laugh. Let's put it that way. You want to call it a cackle? It's a cackle, but it was a laugh. I'm glad I got a chance to see Bill Russell, even though he wasn't in his prime at that point, but I got to see Bill Russell. That's uh, that's that's. Uh, my story, and I'm sticking to it. And thanks to Dan and his dad for getting those tickets. Another voice. We lost a, a legendary voice in broadcasting. Uh, Vin Scully. God love him. 94 years old. The man lived to be 94 and, and was a broadcaster for the Los Angeles Dodgers, but also the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, that's where he started for 67 years. 67 years. And I mean, some of the great calls he made. Uh, nobody will ever forget the one. Well, let's let's first do one that doesn't affect us, meaning New England fans. Uh, the 715th home run, and I believe it was in Fulton County Stadium down in Atlanta, Georgia. I think that's what it was called then. Uh, that's where the Braves play their games. Hank Aaron's 715th home run. And in the call, and I've heard it several times in the past few days, it was Bill Buckner who was playing left field, watching that ball go out of the stadium. Mm -hmm. 
And then in 1986, <laughs> during the World Series, the, the, the play-by-play call that will forever haunt the Red Sox fans in that particular series, the Red Sox versus the Mets. Uh, let's see, I transcribed it. Mookie Betts up at the plate. A little roller down first baseline, behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. <laughs> well, Scully did it much better than I did, but uh, that was a legendary call as well. And, of course, the one that uh, everybody talks about is the Sandy Koufax. Perfect game. And then old Perfecto. And that just, you know, that was legendary broadcasting. Matter of fact, I was listening to, to Dave O'Brien and Kevin Millard were talking about Vin Scully during the Red Sox broadcast. And uh, Millard went on about, you could feel the love in Vince Scully's voice when he was broadcasting a game. He loved sports. He loved baseball in particular and his Dodgers for sure. And uh, you could feel that love in his voice. And, and uh, Dave O'Brien uh, said he is or was one of the greatest communicators ever. And uh, he uh, called him the Mark Twain of broadcasting. I love that. I love that description because he, it was American poetry. Go back to that game with Sandy Koufax. And he was right. The Los Angeles times would reissue a transcript of that game on a yearly basis every year on the anniversary of that, of that game because of the poetry of the significance of the verbiage that Scully used. And I want to just go back to when he started and it was 1952. Um, we were talking about this with uh, Tim, Tim never a few months ago on, on the show. Tim is formerly with the Red Sox and now with the LA Dodgers. And we were talking about Scully and what a great broadcaster he was and, and, uh, and, and just the way he could paint a picture. Now, going back to 1952, he was a, a college student at Fordham University in New York. And Vin Scully got a big break because Red Barber, who was then the announcer for the Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, took a shine to him. He liked what he heard. And there's a book. It's out of print. And I know I've got a copy of it buried in the basement someplace. It's called The Broadcasters, written by Red Barber. And, it, and it's kind of a, a tutorial. on if you want to get into broadcasting, in particular into sports broadcasting, and in particular baseball broadcasting, how to do it. You know, he had little significant things, uh, quirky things, if you want to call him, uh, Red Barber, that he taught Vin Scully. He was his mentor. Um, he just had a knack about painting a picture. Red Barber said, you know, people, there was no TV. And if they had TV, it was limited and they didn't cover a lot of baseball, especially in those days. So people just had to have a radio near them someplace to, to catch the game. And you had to paint the picture for that person. Keep them hooked in. I think that's the one thing nowadays that I just, you know, if the announcer isn't, now they talk about everything, you know, what they ate for breakfast and a movie we want to see. They don't focus on the game. Paint the picture. It's a lovely day. The Chavez Ravine where the Dodgers played. He'd talk about the, the azure blue sky and the, and the, the emerald green on, on the field. You know, just he knew how to paint. And, and eloquence. And I think it was uh, either Kevin Millar or, or Dave O'Brien who says uh, the natural eloquence. And that's a good way of putting it about Ben Scully. Taught by, of course, Red Barber. Paint that picture. 
give them. And, and, and the other thing they talk about is that at one point, people would bring their transistor radios to Chavez Ravine to the Dodger Stadium to listen to the game while they're sitting there. Now, <laughs> so it was like he had his own PA system. He was listening. He didn't have to have headphones. He could listen to himself coming from the stadium. And, and, and I, Larry King was in an old interview they showed saying that at times he had to tell the folks in the stands, please turn down your radios because it would feed back. <laughs> It'd be like he was in a tin can. So this is how much, how much effect he had on Dodgers, Dodger fans, game of baseball and broadcasting. And, you know, I wish I had the talent to be a, a play-by-play guy. Um, I've said it before. It's a skill. Guys like Dave O'Brien, Vin Scully, John Miller, they're there. They're, they're in the moment. They, they can think on their feet fast. They don't get distracted. They're very, um, uh, another thing Red Barber taught Scully, do your homework. Don't come into the booth without preparation. You have to be able to cover for a dead spot in the game or a rain delay. Vin Scully worked alone. That was another thing. Scully worked alone. Most of these guys have to have uh, a right-hand man or, or you know somebody to kind of fill the void. He could do it by himself. So I'm jealous. <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, I wish I had that that gift. But people like Vin Scully, a voice like Vin Scully. You know, that's a good thing about what we're doing now, podcasting and, and, and the internet. Those games that we talked about, the, the no-hitters. Let's see, I had the stats here. He, Finn Scully, during his 67 years on the broadcasting, well, 67 years with the Dodgers, but he also did the NFL and PGA golf for CBS and NBC. But in baseball, he covered 25 World Series, 12 All-Star games, and let's see what else. Oh, three perfect games and 20 no hitters. <laughs> wow. Wow. And of course, for all of us Red Sox fans, the one that got behind Buckner. Ben Scully, a voice that won't be forgotten because of the technology we have today. And hopefully students that want to be play-by-play broadcasters, pay attention to a guy like Scully, a Red Barber. Go back and listen to some of those classic Brooklyn Dodgers games. Uh, they just they again had to paint a picture it was not something visual and now everything we have to have in front of us whether it's the phone or a computer or tele television it just is a whole different world it really is and and people like scully are well they're one of a kind and people like dave o'brien i appreciate having them around that, that uh, do keep on the tradition and bill russell unique voice in sports but also the personality and you know he he in one interview they, they showed of, of bill russell he said i am one of the greatest of all time but he backed it up with what he said i mean those those uh, battles we'll call them battles wars whatever with wilt chamberlain even chamberlain had to say he was better than me i mean it probably was hard for wilt to admit that but he had his number he, Bill Russell had Chamberlain's number. And I don't mean his jersey number either. And, and defense, that was the other thing. He prided himself on defense, not shooting the ball from 
half court or whatever they're doing nowadays. He actually was working defense. And that's what I've been saying. There's no defense in basketball. It's all run and gun. And, you know, and, and, and Celtics fast break was, was the best in the business for years and years and years. And that's because of guys like Bill Russell who knew how to defend and then get that ball down court to people like Kuzi and, and Jones and all those guys that were on his teams over the years, Havlicek. I mean, man. all right, we'll do it. Well, when Sam comes back next time, we'll do more memories of the Celtics, but uh, I'm just, I'm just thankful that I got a chance to see Bill Russell in action and, uh, and listen to his broadcast with uh, Chris Schenkel Sunday afternoon basketball on ABC. Oh man. Those are the days. One other thing I did want to mention today on a lighter note and we'll make it my two-minute drill. Uh, we were talking about in our last program about the deadline for trades in baseball. Well, the deadline's over and done with. Juan Soto, he was the big chip that everybody was going after. The Dodgers were favored to get him at one point, but then the Padres really wanted him, and they 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 divvied up, and they wound up getting not only Juan Soto, but Josh Bell. So they're pretty stacked right now they um they did let one go they let eric hosmer is now with the red sox but the biggest deal with the red sox was probably the biggest shocker nathan Ivaldi's name came up jd martinez his name came up xander bogart's his name came up christian vasquez was also mentioned as a trade chip and he was the one that went and what kind of really hurt the most was that they were going to Houston to play the Astros, and that's the team that they traded him to. And it was right after they were getting warmed up out in the outfield, that they came over to him and said, uh, not so fast going back into the dugout. Uh, and then they told him the news that he was being traded. From what I, I didn't see it, but from what I read, he didn't take it that well. I mean, he was kind of shocked. And uh, matter of fact, the press all glommed onto him and he just didn't have anything to say. I mean, he was kind of, it's business. I think I heard him say that. Well, it's, it's business, but he, he was shocked. And I think it hurt in a way. So Christian Vasquez, now a member of the Houston Astros. Uh, we got a couple of up and coming players from them. Uh, whether they pan out, well, time will tell. But the one thing we did get is a first baseman, Hosmer, from the Padres. He was supposed to be part of the deal to get Juan Soto from the Nationals to the Padres, but he nixed that deal. So the Red Sox came up with a first baseman and a good bat, a good stick man, Golden Glover at first base. But they also, this is the best part of it, don't have to pay $44 million. The Padres have to eat that salary. Now, whether or not all this, and there were other trades that went on, the Yankees loaded up, uh, they they picked up a few parts and Seattle made a few trades. Uh, they got the Castillo kid from Cincinnati. Uh, I think that from what I, we kicked that around too, the last game, Sam thought Seattle was going to be the one loading up with, with uh, Soto. Well, uh, the Padres are 12 games back, I believe, from the Dodgers in their division. I don't know if they're going to make that distance up for this season, but they'll be in the playoffs. Thanks to all this, you know, extra added attraction playoff uh, system, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it used to be you won the division, you got into the playoffs. Now it's, you know, every you know, wild card, this wild card, that 
which I, that's a, for another show. I, I'm not in agreement with, and I'm old school. So the Padres are trying to uh, beef up the team into the wild card, try to knock out somebody, I guess the Dodgers, obviously the, the team, the favorite in the national league and the Yankees <laughs> Red Sox nation. I mean, we didn't do any harm. Uh, we didn't grab any arms. So not a big shocking day of trades. I mean, with the Red Sox involved, uh, the only one shocked, I guess, was Christian Vasquez. And there is a potential. Now, I've read this in the Globe that there is a potential he could come back next season. Uh, I think he's a free agent. So there's a potential, but eh, the way it was handled, it's it's going to be different. Uh, I, I'm, again, not hopeful that the Red Sox are going to pick up a wild card. And if they do, unless the pitching all comes together, you got Chris Sale still on the IL. Uh, and who knows how he's going to be when he gets back, Waka when he gets back. So a lot, a lot of parts in motion. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of luck, let's put it that way, for the Red Sox to advance into the wild card and then getting deep into it. Uh, I don't think the Yankees are going to be knocked out of it unless it's a real fluke. And that's part of the reason why I don't like this wild card setup. There's too many uh, variables where somebody that doesn't deserve to get into the World Series gets into the world series you know i know it, it helps tv revenue and that's what it's all about that's it that's my uh, expanded two-minute drill and uh, hopefully we'll have sam back on our next program i hope to get a special guest trying to get jimmy dunn to join us he is going to have his hampton beach comedy festival coming up august 17th through the 21st and it's a fun night if you want to just go out on a date night, this is something good. It's fun. It's for adults only. I will say that. Check it out. Hampton Beach Comedy Festival. Maybe we'll see you down there. That does it. I'm sure I'm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum. Don't forget to watch the episodes of the Seacoast Sports Forum on our YouTube page. When you're there, hit the bell to subscribe and like us. And if you have any sports photos or game videos you'd like to send us or comments, Seco Sports Forum at yahoo.com.